Welcome to Deadly Discussions, a podcast on social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Isaac Harrison. And before we start, I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation on whose land we recording today. Now, today we have Andy McCarthy from Gippsland Solar, which I'm very excited to have on the show. Um, he's a well-known, reputable uh, person in industry, in an t- industry that sometimes is a bit of a roller coaster, which Andy could share on a little bit. Um, and so I'm very excited to get him on and hear his story. Um, he's the CEO and the founder of Gippsland Solar, which is from the Gippsland area, another area in Victoria that um, sort of had a demise through the power industry and manufacturing industry, which Andy will share on more. So welcome to the show, Andy. Good morning. How are you? Good, thanks. I'm really well. It's, um, it wasn't as cold this morning. It was 10 degrees as opposed to one or two that has yeah. been recently. So as a Queenslander. It was quite nice. Yeah, yeah it was nice. As a Queenslander, I've, I get very confused when I walk out and see ice on the windscreen. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to do. I'm sort of wondering what's happening here. I go in and ask my wife. She's like, oh, I'll take a little bit of warm water and wash it down. So I'm out in the morning yeah. washing down. My Labrador's a bit confused, actually, because he thought he was staying inside permanently after last week. <laughs> All of a sudden, the weather's a bit warmer and he's back outside on the uh, on the dog seat. Oh, yeah. Well, we do, we've do. we done the same with our um, little Pugalia. Um, yeah. She thought, yeah, life's great. I'm, I'm living inside now. And then we're like, you know, looking to buy her a little cubby house. And I think she was catching on to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now she's finding ways to hide in the house or sneak into my son's room and sleep on his bed. Um, anyway, she can sort of not get kicked out. So um, smart dog, smart dogs, very smart mm. uh, man's best friend for a reason. Mm. Um, so let's start on your story. I think how you ended up in the renewables uh, industry. Um, if you'd like to share that, and you know where you, where you're from, where's your your mob from? Is usually how we say it for Indigenous people. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah. being Gippsland is actually high. Um, Indigenous population with the Gunai Kurnai. So if you'd like to share, yeah, that would be yeah, interesting absolutely. to hear. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I'm actually originally a uh, Geelong boy. Um, so I grew up down that way. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I kind of actually fell into renewables, um, you know, just because the school system didn't agree with me, to be honest. Like, I didn't even yep. finish year 10. Yeah. And um, I've actually told this story a few times. I've been around, you know, Kurnai College, which has a strong Indigenous yeah. Um, component. Yeah. Um, and also a lot of kids that have fallen through the cracks of the system, for want of a better term. Um, so I've been doing some speeches and talks to those kind of groups about talking about how I had a, a really rough upbringing. Yep. Uh, I mean, by the time I was 15, I think I'd been locked up two or three times. Wow. I'd been suspended and was probably about to be expelled if I hadn't have left. Yeah, wow. Um, I just seemed to find trouble or trouble found me just everywhere I went. And um, I was, um, I was uh, heading off the wrong track, that's for sure. Yeah, um, wow. So, you know, I, I, yeah, I really would have swapped places with anyone at 15 years of age in terms of my, um, the way that I was headed. Yes. Um, what do you think, um, you know, led to that point? Was it, you know, your parents and some of the trauma they may have experienced and passed down? You said you're from Geelong, and I know the story of Geelong is, you know, the Ford plants and all that were letting people go, and all of a sudden you had this big vacuum of unemployment. Is that sort of something similar or...? Well, look, I'd love to try and tie a narrative like that, Isaac, but to be honest, I was just a bit of a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate I mean, honesty. I, you know, I, to be perfectly honest, I came from a stable home and, you know, my, my mum and dad yeah, were wow. happily married and, and, and I, didn't, I didn't actually have any reason to go off the rails, if I'm being perfectly honest. I just, um, I just fell in with the wrong crowd and there's yep. some, probably some socioeconomic issues around Cario where I went to school. Yep. Um, no school would take me at one point. I had to go to the one that was geographically closest to my home, and I don't think they wanted me either, to be honest. Yeah, wow. Um, 
and I, I just uh, I just found a lot of trouble with the wrong crowd, and I just uh, got swept up in it. It's uh, it all happens uh, quite quickly if you fall in with the wrong people. I think. Oh, 100 um, um, percent. There's a very similar story with my uh, mother's mother. She uh, grew up in a very good home and on an indigenous side. Our parents were in the Salvation Army, well-to-do, had jobs, employment, government work, and um, she decided to take a different path. It actually, ended up being in a really rough environment which my mum was brought into and I think one yeah. of her biggest regrets was she was just like it was just a couple of bad decisions and then had 10 kids later to my grandfather and wow. it's just like what have I you know so what have I sort of done and so um yeah I can understand what you're saying now because yeah I do meet a lot of and I've got you know 60 cousins or something so um it was very easy for my cousins to get mixed in with the wrong crowd and yeah. until today I've got you know cousins in jail and I'm all over the place, which I often share, which is interesting when you get a family reunion, so you get the whole spectrum. Yeah, wow. Makes you appreciate how you've gone as well, though, I suppose. It but, does, yeah. Every time yeah. your parents were strict on you and yeah. um, and made they followed through, you really start to appreciate now being a father um, that yeah. you go, okay, I, just, I start to get it now, why they... Yeah. And from my perspective now, look, I'm, I'm just I'm looking at Facebook and, and connecting up with people from a long time ago when I was um, in that, in that yep. troublesome stage, and I've got... So many friends that have committed suicide, died in car oh, accidents, yeah. fallen into drugs, in jail. Yep. Um, so I do often reflect on the, the path that I was taking and I'm not sure why I decided to just um, straighten up and fly right and, and, yep. take the, and take the more productive path in life. But I'm obviously, uh, I don't have to look far to see how life could have turned out if I hadn't made that decision. Yep. And what do you think um, was the main decision? Was it through employment or training that sort of got you uh, out of yeah. that? Definitely was employment. So the school system didn't agree with me. Or to be honest, yep. I was probably a pretty bright kid, but I used yep. to um, I used to just cause trouble after I'd finished my work early in, in class. Um, <laughs> That's a marking and, and, of an entrepreneur, right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the teacher, the teachers at, a, at this really poor school, they just didn't have the structure to give me anything extra to do. So I yep. just occupied myself by causing trouble. And yep. um, it was pretty clear that extra work would have actually kept me on track. Yeah. Um, so really, the best thing I ever did was go and get a job working for a complete um, scumbag of a boss who rode me like oh, crazy for a couple of years. Yeah, they're the best, those guys. Yeah. They yeah, really his are. Name was, yeah. His name was Goldie, and I was getting $4.72 an hour making timber furniture, and he used to come in every wow. morning and just bark at us for no reason. Wow. And we are all terrified of him. Wow. Um, but, you know, two years there, and geez, I, I learned some discipline, learned how to keep my mouth shut and just do what I was told and not, um, you know, not to question authority too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I probably needed that at that stage because I was pretty outgoing and, and wanted to buck the system at every chance. Yeah. Um, so, I think, you know, yeah, I, 100% agree there. I've got, um, I had a similar story when I did my trade as Autoglazier. Um, same thing, boss, ex-Navy, um, you know, comes from Adelaide country, past Adelaide. And he was the same. He just bark every day. And yeah, yeah I was just similar to you. I'd be like, oh, why do we do this process? Or why do we do that? Like, surely this way is faster. But I, yeah. I, I learned about hard work from those those sort of bosses because you don't yeah. actually have any ability to question anything. All you can do is, you know, communicate through your hard work. Yeah. And um, that's and something a lot of people, I think this generation is going to miss out on because they create apps to get out of the hard work. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And they're really lacking in discipline and work ethic as well. Yeah, that's right. Well. And some things just take time. Yeah. yeah. It's all yeah exactly. So. Cool. So you're at the so furniture I, um, shore? Yep. Yeah, so I went through yeah went through a series of jobs there, and then, and I ended up working for a, a battery company of all things, selling automotive batteries. I'm not sure how I fell into that. Yeah. But um, oh my gosh, this is uh, like my story. One day anyway, a customer yep. came in and yeah asked me for an 80 watt solar panel to charge an electric fence battery. 
Yep. And um, did some research. I thought, okay, I can I can uh, make a bit of money out of selling a solar panel. So yep. um, why not? So I, I said, yeah, no worries. We can help you. And I, I started doing some research on how to wire it up and help the customer and do the installation because it was all extra low voltage then. Yeah, so that's right. Well, that work. well, my background's off grid, so you speak my language. So. Oh, right. Yeah. Yep. So, so I sort of taught myself, helped him out with the installation, did some reading online and um, and then I started looking at the applications for renewable energy and solar in particular and I just fell in love with it. I, yep. I thought, wow, you can power anything anytime, anywhere, uh, anywhere in Australia yep. um, and it's once you've bought the system and installed it, it's infinite and it's free and I, yep. you know, I, just, I just fell in love with the whole notion of using the sun to power everything that we oh, possibly yes. could. Yep. Yeah. So um, you know, from there I developed a passion for it and I put myself through... Uh, training and, and I never got any accreditations, but I did a whole lot of training and just wanted to understand every single thing about the product. Yep. Uh, I tried to steer that business in the direction of doing more solar and they had no interest. They just wanted to sell it, but they didn't want to practice what they preached. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I just didn't align with these values. So I, I then went to another company um, that was heavily into environmental benefit of what they do. And yep. um, that company was called Envito Group up in Northcote, Thornbury area, actually. Ah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the managing director there, he actually went to East Timor and did, you know, solar-powered lighting for remote villages and things like that. And I just, I really aligned with his values and his yep. mission. I think I and, know uh, this guy. Yeah, keep yeah going. Mick yeah. Harris is his name. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I, I've met him for a friend of a friend. Yeah. yeah. So, and Mick's one of the original pioneers, probably been in the solar industry for 25 years. Yeah. And, you know, I aligned with him and a lot of others because they got into it for the right reasons. There was no... There was no critical mass. There was no money. There was no yep. huge economic outcomes yep. from solar. It was just a lot of fun. Yeah, and, definitely. And, and if you start with those values because you genuinely just love what you do, yep. I feel like the I feel like that gives you a good grounding in an industry that's now taken off to be a very successful industry as well. Yeah, and I think I love your stories like running parallel to mine. It's freaking me out. So after I left my crazy boss, like you left yours, <laughs> I, I fell into a company called Aussie Batteries and Solar who were oh, um, I know yeah, yeah, so I was the fourth employee. <laughs> and um, so Nathan, the owner, me and Nathan go back um, quite a while back. I actually ran into him. Um, he was in my church group of all places. And um, he was pitching me to come work for him. And I was like, look, I've got a trade. I'm with O'Brien Glass. Like, I'm good. Um, but he didn't know the turmoil I was having with my boss at the time. And he's like, listen, mate, like, it's a new industry. You know, I'm bringing, he was bringing, we're bringing Kaisera panels um, from Japan, getting them framed yep. and then putting together um, refuge and AC Delco batteries and then linking it through just a MPP regulator we got from China. Um, so the whole yep. package, and we sell them as pre-fab um, to our customers and little instructions so they don't zap themselves Well, it's low voltage, mm -hmm. but it'll be, it's got to go out of your way to do that. And, um, yep. and so that's where my introduction, and I just, like you said, I fell in love with the whole concept that things can be a low voltage DC DC TV, DC laptops, um, and there's no re reason to be a centralized model. Like if you've got enough power for your lights and your laptop and to turn on your kettle, then you're good. What else do you need? Like life's good. Yeah. And that's, that's right. all our customers were those sort of people. And that's why I just loved, I fell in love with the industry. And it wasn't until I came to Melbourne, I fell into the residential market. <laughs> um, yeah. And then to commercial, and I was just like, they are way off the mark here. Like they're missing the whole thing. They're not, yep. they're not getting from the... And that's why I miss with batteries. Um, you had that, that accountability. You had that if you size the system or something faulty, um, the customer would call you in three days because their batteries died yep. and said, Correct. oh, my fridge has um, spoiled my food. 
So you mm. owe me batteries and new meat. And a lot of the yep. customers were like boar hunters, so you don't really want to get on the wrong side of those guys. No, yeah. that's right. They pull in with their I, patrol and their two German shepherds in the back. Yep. Like, oh, yeah, man, yeah, I know the type. We've yeah. done a few systems for those guys over the years. <laughs> that's right. Um, so. <laughs> I, I have actually had a situation where we had an off-grid system fail over the weekend just through a product fault. Oh, um, yeah. Customer didn't realise till two days later on the Monday, and so we had to go back fix the system immediately. Yep. And then I rocked up two days later with um, a full freezer full of uh, steer for them yeah. to replace the meat that they'd lost. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and a bottle of wine to say sorry for the inconvenience. <laughs> oh yeah! Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. This ah uh, this story, and then uh, not, we'll talk about it separately, but we'll go into the opal hunters and and those sort of guys that we'd had the service as well. They got some funny stories. Um, some yeah, of them right. couldn't even speak English. They haven't seen another human for, you know, four years or something. Oh, and they yeah. come in to get a new yeah. system just to run lights, you know, in a fridge. Yeah. Um, that's exciting. So we're going into the business story now. So you team up, you're sort of talking with Enviro Group. So how do you go from doing off-grid and a bit of, you know, smaller system stuff to now Gippsland Solar, which is you know, a recognized, you know, national brand? Yeah, well, I, I moved down to Gippsland. I married a Gippsland girl. Oh, okay, uh, she, yep. she grew up on the 90-mile beach down at Woodside. Yep, um, wow. Um, in a small town of, you know, a few hundred people. And um, she just raved about her upbringing. She thought she was really, you know, she had her values all yep. lined up. She spent you know, her whole childhood just surrounded by nature, you know, not much technology around. It was just all about riding a bike 10Ks down to the local general store to get fish and chips and then go and take yep. it over to the beach. Yeah. Um, yeah, little nippers and camping and hunting and things like that. So, yeah, so um, you know, she just said, like, I couldn't have asked for a better upbringing, so I'd like to I'd like to move down to Gippsland to raise a family. And yep. I, I thought, well, you know, I've, I've never lived in the country before, but worst thing that happens is that it doesn't work out and we come back. Yeah, that's right. Um, so we spent a couple of years living overseas, and then when we got back and Kel got pregnant, we decided to move to Gippsland. And then um, I came down to work for a solar company down here, which is pretty much the only one in the region. Yep. Um, that lasted about three months. We just weren't aligned again. I didn't feel the alignment to them culturally yep. and socially and yep, yep. in terms Speaking of core values. So, yep. so I um, I couldn't find a job and then Cal said, well, if there's no jobs out there, it means there's no competition, so maybe we should start our own business. Yeah. Um, and it was a pretty brave call by her because at that stage she was eight and a half months pregnant. Wow. Um, we had a mortgage in uh, mortgage in Melbourne North in Gippsland. We still had wow. a mortgage hungover from uh, Melbourne that we were trying desperately to keep renters in yep. to pay that keep the the, uh, the house. Yep. Um, and I had no job, and Cal had no job, and, and uh, we had no money, yeah. and no contacts. Wow. So, um, so yeah, so we pretty much didn't have anything going for us at that point, except we uh, had a lot of belief in what we could achieve. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, so we set the business up in the third bedroom. Uh, two weeks before our first boy was born. Yeah. So there was some you know, a couple of years of long hours, late yeah. nights, early mornings. Yeah. Um, yeah. Driving, you know, a ton and a half worth of gear on a trailer after three hours sleep out to a site and getting up on a roof and you yeah, know just, wow. just having to push through, man. And you just gotta you just gotta push through and believe in what you're doing and and be really confident that you've got the right recipe to have, be successful. Yeah, and I think um, on the rest on the topic of recipe, I think a lot of your story coming back to leaving at year 10, you know, um, having that crazy boss ending up in a country, going overseas, having that cultural exposure uh, coming mm. back. I think all of those are recipes to have confidence in yourself because you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm in a corner here and there's yep. literally only one way out. Um, it is, yeah. And, and, yep, and I talk to people about this now that we've enjoyed success and I can talk about it in a post sense and say that even when you haven't been successful yet, 
you need to see very clearly in your eye what success looks like and to imagine what how you will be successful. Yeah. And and that's hard to do when you've never experienced it before. But my business coach always says to me that the most important thing in any business is self confidence. Yeah. If you if you believe in yourself and you really have conviction that you're on the right track, yeah. Then most of the time you will be successful. Yeah, hundred you know? percent. And that's another factor right there. Business coach. I think a lot of Aussies um, we can get very proud when we try to let someone else into our world to help out. We don't yeah. like to be told what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I agree. I was, I was exactly the same. I thought, how is some guy who's never worked in a solar company going to tell me how to run a solar company? Yep. Yeah, well, right there. And that's yeah. like our guy, you know, Benny comes and does our structural stuff. Some of the questions or murmurings from some of the guys were the same thing. Well, he's never run a company, you know, solar company before. How's he going to tell me? How's he going to know about voltages? How's he going to know about applications? And I was yeah. saying, look, it doesn't matter about that stuff, the technical stuff. It's the culture. It's our culture and where we're heading together as a team. That's really important. And that's the, I think that's the hardest thing to, to reigning with the group. Um, I love that story. That's amazing. Because, um, again, parallel to me, I married a Geelong girl. Um, uh-huh. grew up- <laughs> so that's how I got stuck down here in Victoria. Um, yeah. And so when I was, I was working at Laser Electrical um, at the time, and the same thing, cultural values weren't really aligning with the franchisee of that uh, particular branch. Um, my son's born, he's two weeks old, I get made redundant. I get let wow. go. Um, and the same thing, I was like backed in a corner. The only option was I moved back to Queensland to Aussie Batteries, which I really loved the idea of moving to the Sunshine Coast um, and sitting on a comfortable salary and a job that I knew what to do. Um, but I felt like, I felt like, nah, like I'm going to, that's retiring to me. Like I, I feel like I've, I've, I've you know, thrown it in and I've given up. And I said, and I met... Um, an indigenous lawyer and he's had look the government's um really wanting to see more indigenous businesses um and there's a lot of support to get them in you know engaged in the tendering and stuff like that so i'm like oh easy we could easily make some money turns yeah. out we've made no money in that uh, <laughs> in that policy and a lot of the contracts we have won have been from our social values and our culture yeah. and organizations um will come to us and say well because of the education and the pathways you offer um, and your ability to engage other indigenous contractors, that's what we're buying into. You know, we're buying right. into, you're helping the low socioeconomic. And yeah, and that's what really took me a while to understand. I think a lot of people as well think you can have the best marketing plans, the best strategies, but if you're just a rat bag, then you're not going to get anywhere, you know? Yeah, that's right. And you, you have to do, as you said, you have to do something that really lights your fire because you spend a lot of time at work for a long period yep. of your life. And yep. if you don't do something that really lights your fire and really... Think about what impact you want to make on the world and what you want your legacy to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, our first, uh, we had a 10-year plan to make the business financially sustainable, build it up, have a good spread of staff to yep. manage each of the relevant departments. Yeah. Um, and once we got through Gippsland Solar 1.0, then Gippsland Solar 2.0 was more about our corporate social responsibility. Yeah. Yep. Um, th- thinking about our legacy and what sort of a planet we want to leave um, yep. and also how our business can make the world a better place. Yeah. In a you know, we were lucky enough through a bit of hard work, a bit of fortune that that only took us maybe three years to get to that point. Yeah. Um, so now we've um, we've been in business nine years now, but we have 67 full-time staff. Yeah, wow. Um, and nearly 100, including contractors as well. So we, yeah. we have a strong, robust business that's diverse across residential, small and medium commercial, and then utility scale as well. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of we kind of ticked that box, and then you know a couple of years ago we've really turned the business around and said now we want to think about our our contribution to society. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so we, we do lots of things. We put a percentage of our turnover each year into a community fund and we, so good. you know, we put solar on the um, uh, fair share in Abbotsford who make about one and a half million years meals a year for people in need. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, so, um, and, and I saw you, you were down there um, in the soup kitchen helping out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, we wanted to understand. Like, I, I must admit, I didn't realise how big the need was. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of homelessness that sits behind the surface, below the surface, which is not people that are sleeping on the street, but they're sleeping from couch to couch every day and don't know yes, where their next bed's going to be. Exactly. And, and there's some people there. What blew my mind when we, went, we did the salvos, we did the hampers um, for our work breakup. And um, what blew my mind was um, it, you're thinking you're going in and you're seeing Aussie bums. But yep. you're not. There's um, there was Chinese people that had gambled everything away at the casino, yep. and they've come over here because they need some food. Um, you yep. had like African migrants, you had Indigenous people, and the the staff have to be able to communicate culturally to all of those different groups. Mm. And you don't think of that. You're just like, oh mate, you just scoop up a bit of soup and a bowl, and someone has a meal. Yeah, and, just, and, and it's it's more than that too. Like through through that fair share, and we do some neighbourhood house donations as well. We yeah. We started to understand the problem, and then we just did the CEO sleep out a couple of weeks ago. Yes, well, that. And and some of the presentations were they were saying how, you know, anyone can give me a bowl of soup or or a plate of food, but yep. sometimes it's nice just for someone to sit with me and talk to me and make me feel cared for as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. It goes beyond putting food in your belly, but it's also about connecting people and and uh, easing the mental burden that must come with those struggles. Yeah, definitely. And, and, um, it's really, it's really awakened my senses to what's really going on out there and the amount of need. And it, it's, uh, I've been blissfully ignorant to it, to be perfectly honest, for a long period of time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, it's nice to now have a business that is able to help in a number of different ways and also have the desire to help. And, you know, yeah, we've, that's right. we've got a really exciting period ahead of us now, I think. Yeah, I think you do. And I've seen that sort of a momentum, huge momentum swing for um, Gibson Solar. I think you guys are involved the Trobe Valley uh, microgrid and different projects which are going to be sort of world first um, yeah. and I think it really does come down to that culture that you've built from the start um, people want to align with other companies that are doing similar things yeah, yeah I, I hope so and I I think there's a certain irony in the fact that one of the biggest employers in the Latrobe Valley is a renewable energy company yeah <laughs> I was going to bring that up I was going to say yeah. what so you're in the one of the most lowest social demographics you've got power plants closing down all around mm. Um, there's not much work. The agriculture guys are getting screwed down. Um, and then you've got Gibson Solar that just submerges as one of the biggest employers. Yeah, I, I'm very proud of that. I think that's probably our, our greatest legacy is that we're helping show the way forward rather than just badgering people and say, oh, they're going to close down your coal-fired power stations yep. and coal's dead. We don't, we don't talk about that. We just show through our actions yep. that there is opportunity to be had in renewables. Yep. So we're we're placing apprentices, you know. We've got a, yep. um, you know, the GJAC Aboriginal Cooperative in East Gippsland. We got on to a young fella, Orson, through there, and he he's really impressed us. So he's now got an apprenticeship. Awesome. And you know, he's a little bit um, unsure where he wanted to go with his career, and now he's yep. fixed on being a solar electrician for you know next 30, 40 years. And yeah, excellent. Um, so you can train me up, train him up for me, Andy, and I'll take him. Yeah, for absolutely. You'll be when yep, he's ready. You, awesome. We're, we're going to give you an absolute superstar in four years. That's time, right. You Maybe know. you have a buyout clause on him or something. You know. And and what, what we've done in the past, you know, we we won the Sale Hospital solar contract, and yep. one of their apprentices there helped us for a couple of weeks, uh, just on the on the roof. Yep. And the guy from the hospital said, look, to be honest, this kid's a star. He's, he's wasted here what he's doing what he's doing. 
Yep. Um, he needs to work for a company that can expand his horizon. So they replaced him with another apprentice and we took over his apprenticeship. Wow. He now builds all of our wireless mesh networks for our commercial installations and hooks up. He does thermal imaging drones that he builds from scratch and rewires oh the gosh. circuit boards. And, you know, Probably at and, the ripe old age of 17 too. Yeah, I think he's 22 or something like that. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's young. He's yeah. just such a bright future. And to think that he was just fitting off, uh, fitting off PowerPoints or replacing circuit breakers Test at the hospital, tagging. now he's doing yeah. stuff that's next level. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And, I, and I'm looking forward, and we've got some developments um, which I'll share with you after in, in the Gippsland area. But I'm um, looking forward to the evolution of what's going to happen out there, um, you know, with a lot of this micro-renewable energy setups um, and different ways that people are going to sort of decentralise and find a solution. Um, the Indigenous people out there have always been renowned for being quite warrior-like. So I was going to ask you, um, coming across some of the organisations, how you found, um, you know, working with the Gunai Kurnai and... Yeah, just you know, being involved with the community out there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a really interesting socio-economic situation down here. Um, the Aboriginal cooperatives are really strong and really entrenched in the community. Yeah. Um, Rumiyuk's doing some really cool stuff in sale with solar farm feasibility. Um, yeah. You know, we're looking to do some work with them, and through that, we've committed to employing a handful of Aboriginal kids through the cooperative to train them up and give them the skills they need. You know, might give them a little grant for some tools to help them get on yeah, their journey. Yeah. And, um, you know, and just try and give them some pathways and show them that there's a tremendous future in front of them if they're prepared to work hard. Yeah, that's right. And it's not just here. You can be so much going on in Australia and across the world yeah. that you can transfer those skills and, and go abroad yeah. or go to the other side of um, the coast. So exciting, mate. And we'll finish up with where's Gippsland Solar or where's yourself in uh, five to ten years? Well, yeah, I, I, I didn't imagine five years ago that I'd be here now, to be honest. So yeah. I, um, I'm constantly having to reassess my goals and, and, um, and priorities in life. Yeah. Um, I think for me, you know, we're really trying to use renewable energy to empower people. Yeah. So, you know, we have several microgrid contracts. Um, you know, we're doing like lifestyle villages with a couple of hundred homes, each with solar trading energy behind the grid, yeah, behind so the good. meter, sorry, um, and a large battery in there to store the energy for evening. Yeah. So, so we see a real future in peer-to-peer -peer trading and, and um, you know, electric vehicles being charged by renewable energy at work during the day and then doing vehicle-to-grid, you know, using the battery to, in yep. the car to run your house at night. We, we just want to keep pushing the boundaries and find out, you know, where is this industry going to go and how can we get there first? And particularly if there's legislative frameworks that are holding us back, let's break those barriers yeah, down. that's 100%, and, yeah. Because the technology exists to do a lot of these really cool yep. things now, but there's no legislative um, framework to do it. Yeah, and if there's, uh, it's outdated um, and restricting that um, that growth in this whole department. I think I've said it to people all the time. I've said they ask me about Bitcoin, they ask me about you know trade mount meter, embedded networks, and they just keep going. Um, you've got the Loom guys, Red Grid, Green Sync, you know the list goes on. And I said, look, at the end of the day, it's a bit of a space race, um, and people are trying to offer their best solution. And so, yeah, as a business that's in renewables, it's good to keep one eye on what's going on. But then it's also you got to do your bread and butter. <laughs> and yeah, well, that's right. So. Yeah, because pushing the boundaries and being innovative doesn't pay the bills. Let's be honest. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's and right. So you've got to you've got to also got to pay your salaries every week. But um, but it funds our it funds our expansions and our yeah. our R and D department. Yeah. You know, and and that that's and it really keeps people their interests burning too. If you've got those highly talented technical based people in your organisation, yeah. they want to see that 
that's what keeps them there. They want to see these innovations and this testing and this R&D, and they want to be involved with that. That's what I found. Some of the staff are happy, and they love to do um, our Indigenous, you know, give back, social give back, but then other staff want to be involved with the tricky jobs. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, we're doing one project it. at the moment for a resort. Um, uh, we're putting 600 kilowatts of solar on the roof. Yeah. And <clears throat> while we were doing the, the solar feasibility, they said, oh, we're also putting an EV charging station and a large-scale battery. Would you guys be interested in, in doing that? Yeah. And you can see the apprentices, their eyes lit up. So we, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We, so we took on the contract and we're putting yep. in a 250-kilowatt-hour battery, um, oh. rapid charging station with six different plugs for all the different makes and models. Yep. Um, and the cabling is so thick that it can recharge a Tesla P100D in about 15 minutes, I think it is. Wow, be heavy cable. So, and, and, and the boys that are on the roof, uh, sorry, on the site doing this job, just going, how good is this? Like, we're doing stuff that's maybe never been done before. Oh, yeah. And it's really lighting their fire and, and, and making them want to go to work and run through brick walls for their job. Yeah, that's so good. And, and we're doing it now, and in about probably 20 years, this will be normal for every new build. Yeah, absolutely. And then the we'll solar. be doing stuff that we don't even know about now that doesn't exist yet. That's right. A battery technology that's borderline probably thermodynamic or... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Or, or, you know, vehicle and home, your entire lifestyle, 100% powered by renewables. It, it's really only oh, software. Yeah. It's incredible. And I think it goes back to, you know, me and you with that off-grid experience. And we've seen it go from, you know, two-volt gels to six, you know, volt lead acids and then keeps going to lithium. And we know, like, nothing's certain. You know, it can mm. keep changing as long as you're able to bring that technology and then apply it in the real world, then you'll be you'll be fine. Yep, absolutely. It's an awesome. exciting space to be in, as you would agree. Yes, as we agree. So thanks so much for coming on, mate. Um, it's yeah, just exciting to hear your story firsthand and look forward to um, probably getting you back um, in the near future. It's great. Enjoy chewing the fat. No worries. Thanks, mate. See you later. Cheers, mate.